0: You're listening to The Dirt on the Past, a show on history and archaeology and why it matters today. You can find us on the Extreme History Project website and also on kgbm.org. Thanks for listening. Welcome to The Dirt on the Past from The Extreme History Project and KGBM Community Radio.
1: Whether digging up a site or dusting off the archives, We bring you some of the most fascinating and cutting-edge research in history and archaeology and discuss why it matters today. Join me, Nancy Mahoney, alongside co-host Crystal Alegria as we converse with anthropologists, archaeologists, and
0: historians about how they bring the past alive.
1: Welcome to this week's edition of The Dirt on the Past. I'm Nancy. And I'm Crystal. And we're the co-hosts of this show. This week, we are changing it up a bit, aren't we, Crystal? We sure are. We are coming to you from outside of my shop, Mocha Boutique, in downtown Bozeman. And we're doing this because we're talking about historic preservation right here in our town. And we're going to be talking about the building that my boutique is located in, which you've done some research on. Right? I have.
0: I have. I recently wrote a little article for a local magazine about the history of the Bonton Building, which is its official's name. So yeah,
1: and it's it's Bozeman Life Magazine. We yeah. want to shout out to yeah. them because they do a wonderful job. Um, we put some ads in there. They get out to the local community, and so we're so glad they're also going to be highlighting. Um, my boutique and um, the, the, the jewelry store down from us, Alara. And we're actually going to be talking to Babs Noel, the owner there as well. Um, but before we get to that, we're so excited because we have we have sponsors, we Crystal, do. for we our do. show. We Yay. do. We do. So we do. Talk we a little two, bit about that.
0: two sponsors, our first two mm-hmm. sponsors ever. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention, Nancy, is that we've been doing this podcast, The Dirt on the Past, for a year now so we had our year we're anniversary oh, my in goodness. September yeah well so. congratulations I congratulations. think I think a celebration yeah. might be in order I know we should have champagne Where's I know our champagne? we'll I have wine in my wine tub <laughs> okay so we'll, we'll decide we'll, maybe champagne what's we'll happened to yeah. that okay <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to say yay to everyone who's listened over the past year we're so yay. excited yes so a year in we decided that we needed to have some sponsors of this podcast right so we started reaching out and we got our first two sponsors, Deep Mountain Tea. Oh, they're wonderful. There is we'll tell you all about them here in a little bit yep. and then also the Western Heritage Center. Yay. So those are our t- first two both Montana sponsors. sponsors. So we're excited to have them and we'll tell you more about them. All right. as a- at the um, as we go through the podcast. Yes, today. we're excited
1: to talk to them about that. Yeah. So now what I want to do is we're we're out here on the street as you yeah. can probably hear <laughs> out in front of the boutique with with Steve carrying all the recording devices. Yeah. And what going to do is we're going to go ahead and walk right in the boutique. Okay. And start doing our podcast from in here.
0: Here we go into
1: this beautiful historic building. And you can hear the, the sound of the door creaking. Yeah. Um, and when we walk in we can see the beautiful original tin roof and the original maple hardwood floors and um, the brick walls. The brick walls which beautiful gosh, brick walls. they're beautiful but you, yeah. you cannot nail anything into them. <laughs> um, they're made of they're made of the poor quality bricks that just crumble. These yeah. aren't the ones that go on the outside of buildings. <laughs> right. um, but anyway we're going to sort of walk through to the back and find a place where we can sit and talk and as we're doing that Crystal you mentioned that this building is called the Bonton building. Right. So that's quite a Name can you can you tell us how we got that name? What does yeah. that mean?
0: Yeah, so the um, Bonton kind of just means high fashion. That's what oh, it means. That's bon sort ton. of appropriate. I know it is, yeah. especially for your shop, Nancy. But um, Bonton was p- a popular term in the Victorian age, and that's why this building got that name. Is because in 1914, um, a baker. Whose name was Eugene Graff opened a bakery in one bay of this building. So this building has four bays to it, and he opened his bakery,
1: which he named the Bonton Bakery. And that's that's the beautiful um, tiling mosaic we see on the side of the building, yeah. right on yeah. the on the corner. It says Bonton. Bakery and I think people still think there's a bakery if they're not from Bozeman. Right. But you're saying then that Bonton that's just a general yeah, term. It's kind of a general term and he used
0: that. Um it was a it was a really fashionable term about that time and okay. so he used that as the name of his bakery. So you open this bakery in this building. He um had the bakery ovens in the building, he baked the bread here. And he and his family lived upstairs. Eugene Graf was from Germany. He was from the Munich area. Oh, wow. And he came to the United States with his family in 1907 and then settled here in Bozeman in about 1914. All the way from
1: Germany. All the way. here to Montana. I wonder what that what led him on that path.
0: I wonder too, and I didn't dive in far enough to answer that question for you, but um, you know, a lot of people were still coming to Montana during that time from other countries, from other places. Of course, we still today have people coming <laughs> from all right, over the but world. But it was still suppose, such a young territory yeah, in yeah. the early
1: 1910s and 20s, right? We didn't yeah. have much of a population out here. No, no.
0: Yeah. So it there was still a lot of people coming from different places and... And, and so it wasn't unusual that someone from Germany would come and, and settle in Bozeman, Montana at that time or in Montana. Right. So uh, you always kind of think of everybody coming here in the early days during the Gold Rush time frame.
1: But, you know, people kept coming. Right. And, you know, they had to land somewhere else originally. You mm-hmm. know, so did he make the trek across the country? He from did. Europe? It's yeah. just so interesting yeah. to imagine then how this I becomes. Know. Because then he really in, invested in the building. Yeah. We'll hear a, a little bit more about that in a minute. But um, what Eugene Graf found when he got here was there was a building already here so he named it and the name comes from his association with the building and the bakery but the building was already here so I wonder if you can tell us who first built it when they first built it and sort of what was what was in it at the very beginning
0: well this building was built in 1890 and so just to back up a little bit the town of Bozeman was founded in 1864, okay. and it wasn't founded as a gold rush town, but it was founded because of the gold rush. So that gold rush happened here in Montana in 1862, 63, 64, that time frame, gold was being found in Bannock. Um, what is now called Helena, Virginia City, those places. Yeah, not Bozeman, not the Gallatin Valley, but places a
1: couple hours away. Right, right.
0: And so people were rushing to those places for gold. And so three men decided that they would um, make some money from that situation, Mm -hmm. and they would found the town of Bozeman. So um, John Bozeman... Um, Daniel Rouse and William Beale these three entrepreneurs founded Bozeman as a place for people to get supplies and stock up as they were headed to the gold fields so that's why Bozeman was founded in 1864 and then fast forward to the 1890s Bozeman by then was really an established town it wasn't a fly by night place it wasn't going to you know become a ghost town like many other Montana towns it was really stable and we had the railroad coming which really um what people were able to get goods in and goods out with the railroad. so this was a stable town and these three men built this building. their names were, um, they were part of a firm that was called Sabrie Ferris and white and the the names of the men were Howard Sabri Edward Ferris and Benjamin White and these men were in the railroad business
1: okay. really so they knew what was going on with where railroads yeah. were going how you could probably invest in property do something that would get a huge return on your investment this was kind yeah. of what they were doing in other places too yeah I was going to say also I guess with Bozeman you know you you had already had Fort Ellis come and go but you had Yellowstone. Yeah. You had this incredible Gallatin Valley agricultural produce and possibilities for mm-hmm. growing. So it was a stable place for so many reasons, and then you add that railroad in, visitation. I can imagine it seemed like a pretty good place to yeah. invest.
0: It was a good place to invest, and that's what those three men did. They built this building for as an agricultural supply store basically mm. and so they but they also built it as a business investment Okay. so they rented out um, so this building like I said has four bays or four, store four storefronts. areas, okay. storefronts and so they were in one bay but then the others were filled with other businesses other entities so it was really a business investment and only one of those three men actually lived in Bozeman the other two lived in other parts of Montana so they were right. they were businessmen and they so were, they were it was a two-story building, story building
1: originally. Yeah. Built of brick. Yep. And and the upstairs was always residential because it's residential mm-hmm. now. Yeah,
0: it's always been residential up above. The second floor has always been residential. There's apartments up there, and today um, there's still apartments up there. People still my, live upstairs. My
1: kids, lots of people would still love to be yeah, able to get yeah. right up there, right on Main <laughs> Street. It's a great location. Right. Okay, so Crystal, we've moved from the dressing room area out to the annex area that's what we call it here at mocha it's it's literally i think a unit tacked on to what was the exterior of the back part of the Bonton building at least this section of it and there's what looks like an exterior window just behind you <laughs> yeah. um and uh, and some exterior facade over to the side of another addition um but it's a little quieter back here yeah yeah i love
0: it back here you know i always love going in basements of buildings back rooms of oh, buildings because that's where you see all the architectural detail that is uh, sometimes often covered up in the front part of a building you, so, can, you can see the yeah. layers and you modifications layers, you can see the history you've you... been in our basement too I which is... well that was the first thing I went into when you bought this
1: <laughs> I know I'm and like, I think Nancy, you, you I probably were this? in it before too and I, I, I'm always like this might be the second trip for <laughs> yeah. you but yeah it has definitely got those creaky old staircases and yeah. it looks like there's a ramp where you used to be able to to drive you know, um, a cart or something with wheels or, or whatever right down into the basement. There's a ramp down there, yeah. a dirt ramp, and that's the scary part that we don't go into. <laughs> and then we use the other part. Ours hasn't been remodeled down there, so it yeah. got a lot of original stuff. So thinking that. about that, I wanted to to have you place us in this building. So it was built in 1891. 1890. 1890, 1890. it is 1890. Yeah. And so when it got going... Um, was that the center of town because we kind of think of Wilson and Maine, that main street light, the Baxter hotel, which is diagonally across as being sort of the center of downtown and kind of the hub and, and the main arteries running through the downtown Bozeman. So what was it like when it was built in 1891, 1990, 1890, take that out. 1890, 1890. Yeah. So it was kind of on the edge of
0: town so uh, Bozeman's center or its or its apex was at the crossroads of Main and Bozeman Street which is about two blocks down and this was kind of on the outskirts of town it was on Main Street still so it was still part of the vibrant area of downtown Bozeman in 1890 but this was a uh this this building was built as an agricultural supply business, so it was kind of on the outskirts, so people could pull up with their wagons mm. and get hardware and get other things. You know, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a restaurant, it wasn't a mercantile, it wasn't a building a like, that. The house, like that, a boarding house, a boarding house. So it was more of a, you know, it was more for people to get supplies, um, hardware, yeah. that sort of thing. So it was kind of on the outskirts, and and actually the street names were different in those days. It was still Main Street was one of the cross streets but it wasn't called the other cross street wasn't called Wilson at that time it was called Central okay and it was later na- renamed Wilson Street um after one of our prominent citizens, Mr. Lester Wilson. So, you know, street names change quite a bit. And I think people don't realize that when they're studying the history of places Mm. that, you know, you think, oh, the street name has always been that street name since the very beginning. But street names change all the time. They do. Even addresses change all the time. So this address used to be in the 200 block, when it was first designated having an address. And now, um, in 1920, they changed all the addresses. Hmm. They decided that Bozeman had grown large enough where they needed to kind of recenter it. And so they changed, they, they recentered it um, about two streets down. And um and all the addresses changed. Can you imagine how complex that, that must, must have been very <laughs> I
1: feel sorry for the the male folks I know, you know the at the that time and thank goodness there was no yeah. U, U, UPS at that time <laughs> right. or FedEx, but the they have enough trouble now finding us especially in the annex. yeah, but that's interesting because we're 36 West Main. and I yeah. always think of of course us being on Wilson as Main and being in the in the center yeah. of where you might break east and west. But the center is it's further east of where we down. are. Yeah. yeah, and you're yeah. saying that that might not have even been the center originally, right? So there's been multiple sort of um, changes of the addresses. Yeah. So so this was a place where people would pull up and get hardware or yeah, actor cauldron. Yeah. So nothing like what is in there now. No, but no. but then maybe that changed a bit with um with graph coming out. Yeah. And and putting the bakery in yeah. on the corner. And did that really sort of change um or reflect changes of what was in the storefronts.
0: Yeah. You know, it's so interesting when we do history of a building, we go through the city directories and we really s- it, they're an, an amazing resource because you can really see what businesses occupied
1: a building over the years. So it was interesting that this building was a place then where people came up to get their agricultural implements and their hardware and things like that. But but when you mentioned Graff and, and his bakery that went in, I think you said, in the, in the 1920s. Maybe that reflects a little bit of the the changing character of this building at that time, um, because I know at some point it was also remodeled a bit. So tell us a little bit about... From 1890 to 1920, what were the new storefront businesses that were in there around that time? And and how do you even find out that information, Crystal?
0: Yeah, so the way that we find that out is we look at city directories. And city directories are an amazing resource for people doing research because you can go back and you can really see what businesses occupied each place. And here in Bozeman, we have a great uh, resource in the city directories, uh like I said before Bozeman started in eighteen sixty four our city directories don 't start till about nineteen o two okay so we have a big gap there but but once they start in nineteen o two we can really track what businesses were in here, but there 's also another resource okay which
1: is the Sanborn Insurance Maps. Uh, And those are fantastic because you're getting an actual plan and you can see what a building looks like. Because I I was going to say with the city directories, is it challenging then when the street numbers change? It is. How do you keep track so maybe the Sanborn Insurance Maps provide a link
0: you have to have like a you know cross-reference system Mm. (laughs) so so you can hard work people I know this isn't easy this isn't for the faint of heart (laughs) but um we we cross-reference with Sanborn maps with city directories with a lot of other things but um going back to the Sanborn insurance maps these are fascinating because they're these wonderful maps that of course the insurance agencies created the Sanborn insurance agency most specifically, and they would send these Sanborn insurance agent mappers out to towns like Bozeman, every town in the nation, actually. And these men usually would come in, and they would map and document what business was in the building, what the building was made out of. Of course, the insurance agency wanted to know if it was brick or if it was wood frame or Mm. if it was stone, Mm -hmm. and they would color code everything. And then for us historians, it's really nice because they would put what, was in some of those buildings okay. whether it was a residence or whether it was a you know a hardware business or a plumbing store or sure. what it was so we can use those to kind of track that's, some of that too That's an invaluable resource yeah. really yeah. yeah and
1: seeing how maybe buildings changed over time too in terms of if they were subdivided and somebody right. that would show up presumably right. as well
0: right and that's how we track if buildings changed if they were added on to if they were demolished if they you know Right. One building was demolished another one was built on the location mm-hmm. so we can use Sanborn maps for so much and then using those together with census records um, Sanborn maps city directories you know we use all these things to get the most accurate vision of what historic Bozeman look like and right. so that's how we that's how we do it you know we look at all these different things to kind of get this um, imaginary landscape in our heads it wasn't imaginary then but for us it is now so. right cuz things yeah. have, things have changed yeah. so
1: so what what were some of the other businesses that were in here when yeah. Eugene Graf built the bakery
0: so before Eugene Graf built the bakery i just want to go back a little bit and talk about some of the um businesses that were in here from that we have from the Sanborn map. so in 1904 on the 1904 Sanborn map, well, in 1890, let me go back even further. In 1891, on the Sanborn map, there was a, a U.S. Land Office in one of these one of these oh, storefronts. Wow. So, a government, yeah. Office. And then a harness shops um, okay. occupied some of the other storefronts. Uh, the Chronicle, which was our newspaper, oh my goodness, was the was, was in actually here. in the one that we're in right now really? in, in your store in the Gosh, Mocha. I wonder
1: if there's any yeah. evidence of that underneath the basement floors, Andrea. Wonder... We're going to have to go digging in the basement and see, <laughs> see what we can, if find. can she's find. She's anything. like, no, no, thanks. Yeah,
0: she's <laughs> like, I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> So um, in 1904, there's plumbing, there was a plumbing outfit that was operating out of the storefront's harnesses still, and then a meat and sausage factory, which wow. I think is so interesting. Okay, right downtown um, here. It, right downtown. Making sausage. Making sausage. Mm, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> and then in 1912, there was a tin shop and a tailor. Okay. Working out of the, one of the storefronts, hardware. Working out of one of the storefronts, a harness shop still, and then meats, a uh, meets that sausage, sausage sausage shop. Boy, okay. that's hard to say. It is very
1: hard to say. I can hear, I can hear the struggle. The struggle. And um, so, yeah. a lot of the kind of similar things, though, over that time period. Yeah. And then, but still no bakeries, right? Nope.
0: Then the bakery came in in 1914 with Eugene Graff. And so he brought the bakery into one of the storefronts. um, The one on the corner, right? The one on the very corner, so.
1: Great location.
2: Yeah.
0: And then, um, you know, he was in that storefront, but as time moves forward, you know, we're in the 19-teens now. there um, There was a pictures and framing store in one of the storefronts. There was a music shop. As time goes on, there was the um, there was the modern cleaners. So oh, that's wow. in nineteen thirties. The modern cleaners was in one of the storefronts. Um, the, the there was a music store okay. in one of the storefronts in the nineteen thirties. It was called um, Toner's Music Shop. There was a style shop.
1: I mean, a, a hat huge shop. huge change yeah. from horses and, yeah. and, and and hardware and plumbing and meats to, to, <laughs> to more, now music and yeah. I'm, I'm assuming some sort of dry cleaning yeah. and a bakery just very different types of
0: very different you know and then there's retail, a lot of yeah. retail that comes okay. in in the 1940s, 50s, 60s a lot of these storefronts have retail shops in them okay. and there's one store called The Mode which was oh. in your storefront oh, um, where gosh. Mocha is today and I feel like it was just such a precursor to it's like like this we boutique. knew I know. I know the names
1: are so sweet Similar. And I
0: love the the name The Mode.
1: Do you and, have any, were there any advertisements that you got to see? Do you have any sense of what you know, they sold?
0: I'm sure there are advertisements we could find, oh, but I, would be I didn't fun. look for those yet. But right. yeah. We'll have to but go they, look. The mode, it, it just sounds very hip. It was yeah, a women's clothing a store. A clothing, women's clothing store. So, okay. And it was there for a long, long time. It was in um, this storefront um for many many years and i think probably if we put something out on facebook people would remember it
1: all right because we got good historical karma here going on here that's awesome remember so we'll
0: have to do we'll have to do more research into that yeah dive a little bit deeper into the mode
1: i know (laughs) clothing (laughs) store Uh. so i know that um there were stores that were here in the 1980s that people even remember. Yes. I know people talked about Music Villa, which yeah. is still a store that operates now at the other end, eastern end of Main Street, was in here. Tell me a little bit about that, because they were either in in the, the unit that I'm in or one next to it.
0: Yeah, Nancy. So like you said, in more recent memory, uh, Music Villa came into this area. Music Villa moved into... 34 West Main which is the storefront right next to yours right and Music Villa is still around and it's very been a very successful s- store. very successful store buy I've been great here for- guitars
1: there take Music lessons there, just everything.
0: Right, yeah. right. So, um, in 1982, they moved into this into this building, and Fred Decker was the owner. That's a great name. Yeah, sounds like a rock star. I know. And so, <laughs> Fred Decker um, owned Music Villa while it was in this building, and he had the music store in the storefront next to yours, and then he o- opened up a rock and roll themed clothing store uh-huh. here in where right here in right moca oh, this, my this gosh. storefront okay and i remember it and it was called really fred's threads it that's was awesome
1: we have to find some old ads of there and try to frame yeah. them and get them up oh you should of mode and fred's threads
0: yeah and so fred decker owned music villa for many years and then he decided it was time to retire and so he handed it off to his son Paul Decker, okay. Paul and Megan Decker, and they are the current owners today. Oh, wow. So they moved this, they moved Music Villa out of this building in the year 2000. And it's located still on Main Street, but kind of down at the end of East Main here in Bozeman. So it's, and they have expanded it and it is a big, beautiful shop. It's a big, beautiful, big, shop. beautiful building it's, now. But it's
1: interesting because I have heard from people um, who've been in this town a long time that there used to be people that would... Um, gather in the basement and play music. There was like a place to actually come in at night and sort of it be like a a pickup bar where people would be serving Uh and then playing music. But I did hear also then that um these funny platforms that are in the store Uh that I thought the previous owner, um Camille, who owned the root, I thought she had put them in for some reason. There's a platform that was in the front by the shoes and in the back by this three-way mirror. Um, She told me recently passing through town that those were here before she took it over. So those may have had to do with Fred's Threads and maybe a place to put up some instruments or perform. I don't know. But when we tried to take out a platform, I mean, it was so well-built you could have put a baby elephant on it well. it would have been just fine so i don't i don't know you could have probably held big heavy instruments
0: we need to do some oral history with paul decker because he would probably know he so would probably know. yeah so and and it would be great to learn more about that yeah
1: so, yeah. so i want to get back just one more time to um during that bakery era mm-hmm. when um eugene graff was here i i don't know if you said he owned the whole building or just his part, but that's around the time when there was a remodel. Is yeah. that right,
0: of the building? Right. When this building was built in 1890, it was just a basic brick building. Okay. And so then Eugene Graf came in, he opened his, his bakery here in 1914, and he eventually owned the whole building. Okay. And he was doing very well financially, and mm-hmm. so he decided in 1928 to do a remodel of this building. And he um, contracted with a local architect whose name was Fred Wilson. Mm-hmm. And Fred Wilson is a well-known name here in Bozeman. Oh, he yeah. did a lot of uh, architecture throughout the town, actually throughout the whole state of Montana. And so Graf hired him to do a, re- um, a remodel of this building, and they really changed it quite a bit. And changed it to more of a Spanish um, revival style building. Yeah, yeah. So it has these beautiful tile, little tiles terracotta on the tiles on the Some roof, which weren't tiles. there originally. No, no,
1: and then he he changed the windows too, right? Yes. Because we had been looking at an old photograph where each upstairs unit would have had two windows, but right now there are these arched, much larger windows, but yes. fewer of them. So I was trying to figure out with you were these combined what what was it but we kind of found our answer in in the archives at MSU didn't we We
0: did so we took a trip up to the um, special collections archives at Montana State University and they have a lot of the architectural drawings of Fred Wilson so we went in and we searched those drawings and it was amazing to see the beautiful drawings that he did of that um, of that Spanish
1: colonial Uh, revisions and his ideas for that. And you can see there's somewhere there's like a window and a half and then he's proposing how to Mm -hmm. draw it together to make an arch. And so then it would have been around that time that... I guess the stucco would have gone on over the brick. Yeah. And and maybe, is that when the tiles went in? Because we have those beautiful sort of butter yellow, green, and a little bit of red, yeah. all those tiles that are in front of these storefronts. Right. Is that...
0: And that's kind of the mystery, you know. Um, in 1928, things changed, but we don't know exactly when the stucco and the tiles came on. So that mm-hmm. is a mystery still to be solved. Okay. And so, but that is, and that's probably also when that... Bonton Bakery sign that you talked about at at the beginning of the podcast. That's probably when that went on the building as well and I really want to find out the date for that. Yeah. And so we did some research but we'll have to do more because that that date is still unknown at this point. But Graff and Wilson you know Eugene Graff and Fred Wilson really formed a bond when they remodeled this building and from that point on from 1928 on Whenever Eugene Graf was building a building or remodeling a building, or having his house built, he used Mm. Fred Wilson. And like I said, Eugene Graf did pretty well financially Mm. with the bread business, with the bakery business. And the other business, he was in a lot of different things, you know, as everyone was. And so he actually built a beautiful house here in Bozeman that was kind of a, it looks like a French chateau. And it's one of our most precious historic buildings in Bozeman now. It's just gorgeous. And so Fred Wilson designed
1: that for him as well. That's on the south side Mm -hmm. on Cleveland, Mm -hmm. and I lived literally a block and a half away. My kids grew up, we'd walk by it every day when I was taking them either to the Montessori School or to Irving Elementary, and everyone who would come to Bozeman would be so taken with this building and puzzled because it does look like a, a miniature French Chateau. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So that was one of Eugene Graf's homes.
0: Yes, that was that was his wow. main home. When he, he
1: moved from upstairs
0: above this building to that house. <laughs> from <laughs> Spanish
1: Mission <laughs> Revival to <laughs> French Chateau right. uh, Estate I don't know. But yeah. so very interesting. But it probably
0: reminded him of, of Europe, home. I guess. Yeah, huh, I mean, is very way. European. And yeah. so, of course, he was from Europe, so he was from Germany. So, so so, you know I really feel like once you start looking into these historic buildings and and you start following the people. You start following these relationships that they built. And you better understand the history of the community mm-hmm. through these buildings and through the architecture and through the businesses. This These relationships are formed and the community is formed
1: mm. in within that. Right. I mean, I, I tell you, I love being in this building. I love the way it sounds. I love the way it smells. The ceiling height is amazing. And, um, and some of the things that we've been doing over the last... Last year we feel like have been able to expose a little bit more of the way the light comes in the, mm-hmm. the brick behind we've been moving uh, some fixtures around and things like that just to kind of let that historic character come through and I think it does make our boutique have its own unique feel and and a feel that ties it to place yeah. which is I think what you want when you're a store owner and you want people to come in and and have an experience. And I think, um, we want to take another little short walk down the street because we're going to talk to Babs Noel at Alara and she's been there. I think all the store owners in this Bonton building, um, have been here for about two decades. So Mm. I took over from Camille from the root, which was here for over 20 years. I don't know exactly how long Visions West has been there, but maybe a, a decade. Um, Plume, the same. And then I think Alara has been there for about 20 years yeah. as well. Babs mentioned something about over 17 years ago. Oh. She was trying to deal with some issue with uh, air conditioning oh, and yeah. metering and yeah. something. So, so we'll so, take a quick walk and chat with her. Yeah. So just to kind of recap
0: what what businesses are in here today kind of thinking historically as well you know it started out as hardware and mm. and you know a us land office and now it's a a gallery and plume is a bridal store it's a beautiful bridal store you have a clothing boutique and then Alara is a jewelry store so you Mm. know very
1: different reflects kind of all those changes Mm -hmm. in in what bozeman is and and who's coming and doing the shopping yeah Yeah, exactly okay Okay. so with that we'll take a short break and we'll do a station break and then when we come back on again we'll be talking with babs okay you are listening to The Dirt on the Past with co-hosts Crystal Alegria and Nancy Mahoney on KGVM Bozeman, or wherever you find your podcasts. Today, we're talking about the Bonton Building in downtown Bozeman, where my boutique, Mocha Boutique, is located, as well as Alara. And today, we want to also thank the podcast sponsors, the Western Heritage Center and Steep Mountain Tea. All right, so we're back, and right now we're inside of Alara with Babs Noel. She's the owner of the jewelry store, which has been in the Bonton building for 17 years and counting, and she occupies a beautiful showroom. This is the one on the corner of Wilson and Main that Eugene Graff actually had his bakery in. So right now I'm standing here with Crystal. Say hello, Crystal. Hi. And also with... Babs, say hello. Hello. Babs. Okay. So, um, Babs, we wanted to ask you just to start off what attracted you to this space in particular when you first started out building your jewelry empire in Bozeman?
2: Well, actually, it was a bit of a surprise because I wasn't intending to go into retail. Oh, wow. And I wasn't even in town yet. My husband at the time was literally outside on the sidewalk when he watched the for lease sign go in the front window. Oh, that's fortuitous. Oh. And so he snapped a picture, sent it to me. The picture he snapped was not of the building. The picture was of the for lease sign with the number. And he goes, you need to start negotiating. And I said, for what? And he goes, oh, it's, <laughs> it's the most amazing lease space. It's at ground zero. It's on the corner of Wilson and Maine, kitty corner from the Baxter. And the moment I saw it's kind of quirky funkiness you know combination of like mission revival and arts and crafts I'm like I can make this work
1: it does. It has an incredible quirky charm, doesn't it? It's beautiful. Yeah, it, it does. And and yours, I think, is a little bit, it has a more open feeling than I feel like I have over at Mocha. But yeah, I think you have some
2: extra light coming in on the side, which is nice.
0: But you still have that beautiful tin ceiling, too, just like next door at Mocha. So, yeah. I've
2: been very protective of that. Good. When there's discussions of repairs needing done and the discussion is should we do it from above or do it from below i always insist on them doing it from above oh, Wonderful. <laughs> yeah Love
0: to hear that. well you know we've been thinking about doing a tin roof ceiling walking tour yeah, and tin so roof tour. Yeah, yeah tin roof tour you know of all the historic tin roofs in downtown bozeman so cool. yours would be definitely one that should be featured on that walking tour because it's just gorgeous it's just a beautiful one
1: and your brick is beautiful too yeah. um I don't know if yours is as crumbly as mine. It's really hard to I tack anything into it. I
2: sealed it. it. I found oh. out about a really great sealant that doesn't add sheen because most of them then yes. you've got a shiny wall, right? Um, but it does shed. It okay. do, you know, you definitely sure. feel history showering in on you. <laughs> yeah, I hear
1: it every time I try to tell it, it's cre- just crunching down. <laughs>
2: exactly.
1: <laughs> so, Babs, you have a few historic treasures. I know we've talked about a little bit when I've talked to you about the building before. I, I often run down here to talk to Babs when I have a question about being an entrepreneur, being a woman entrepreneur, <laughs> or just being on Main Street and in this building. But um, you've shared some of these things with me. So show us some of the things that you have, because I know Crystal in particular will be so excited well to see
2: because them. the thing about having a built-in um tile sign on the side of your lease space that says Time bakery building <laughs> is people do remember it people also come in very cranky with low blood sugar and right. are very disappointed
0: <laughs> out they want croissant. Bakery, yeah. but it
2: <laughs> sticks in everyone's mind so yeah. f- friends find these treasures and bring them to me oh wonderful so I haven't put this one up yet but oh, it's, that's beautiful it's an original Bontons Vitamilk bread sign it says a glass of milk in every loaf and wow. as you can see it's a little worse for wear but I do intend to end up hanging it in the space I just have to figure out how to frame Someone it it's great
1: you. yes you don't know how they came across it, it might have oh just um somewhere. a
2: friend of mine is definitely one of those picker people oh yeah yeah, yeah. and so and he kind of like <laughs> sent me a quick snap and said would you want this for however much it was i'm yeah. like what the heck yeah a gentleman came walking in my store with this original Bonton oh, wow. flower bag that i have hanging from the ceiling that's he beautiful. came in with it very carefully rolled up in tissue paper oh. and he it's said beautiful. i'm just going to everyone in your building to see if anyone would want this oh, and i'm my like gosh. it's charming it's it's pristine it's never actually had flower in it. in it. We
1: need to put a, a photo of these things on the website, but the, yeah. just to describe it, you have it hanging in plexi yeah. in the middle of your shop, which is beautiful, up high above, but it looks pure white, and then it's got these beautiful colors, mm-hmm. and it's like Montana, almost like Montana. I've never that seen it before. What the, that flower. is what
2: their flower name was. Oh. Mm-hmm. That was the name of the ground the, the, the the flower, you know, the high-protein flower. It was a big deal, yeah. yeah. And then I do have a customer gave me the the set of two photos up there that show the building prior to the redo on the exterior that Fred Wilson did okay so when it was just a brick mercantile building you know and one of the quirks we were talking about um is as the graphs continued to add ovens which are in the Back of like they would have been ovens? in the back of my yes. space, so these yes. Are big, like commercial, big commercial ovens. okay. As they would add ovens, the, the ovens had different purposes. I'm sure you know, one was for baking this, one for baking that, different types of ovens. I know they exist. Well, they also would be very different dimensions. So they would put the oven in and then put the firewall in. So the firewall at the back of my space is jiggity-jaggity, jiggity-jaggity, jiggity-jaggity. Oh, it's yeah. not a straight firewall. Something yeah. no one could get away with today, I don't think. It would have to be a straight line. No, <laughs> so. no.
1: I wonder if that's on the sandboard maps, that sort of jiggity-jaggity edge or something like that. Super strange too. And then when,
2: you know, and then this because other... Because they
1: extend it on. So how does that work when you add on a building?
2: Well, the, the um, hair salon that's mm-hmm. up Wilson from me, they have a bump out in there. If you go in there, you can see it kind of... They've got weird little nooks and crannies in there that correspond to the weird little nooks and crannies here. Oh, how
1: funny. <laughs> yep. What have you done with your nooks and crannies?
2: So um, they've gone through several different iterations um, because some of them are a little too small for some purposes. So for a while, one of our nooks and crannies was our actual shop where we made jewelry. The only reason it worked was our goldsmith at the time is a more diminutive fellow. <laughs> like, literally, if, if it hadn't been him... Anyone work. else would have looked in the space and said how do I even turn around in just here? You're tall. It, would, it wouldn't work for you, right? Yeah, it didn't yeah. did work for me. And so and now it's our HR is back there. Right, yes, right. and you know, but then there's a little bitty bathroom a thing we call a kitchen, a thing we call a storage space. I mean, we've just oh done uh, that's, you know, it's um, it's a challenge. You've Sometimes. made it work. I've made it <laughs> yeah. work. Thank goodness I carry very small products so yes. I can right. actually all fit in here. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. so the biggest changes that I've done that, that I can really remember in a major way that had to do with old infrastructure is there were... Well, we would kind of, the precursor to can lights in okay. the front windows of oh, this wow. store. Oh, neat. But their shape was, you know, we think of a can light today, and it's more of a straight up and down cylindrical shape. Uh-huh. Whereas these had a very off ellipsoidal, I mean, it was, hmm. I'm sure, a thing yeah. at the time. Yeah. And I'll never forget when we were pulling them out, because they no longer worked. Actually and, and you could working. hear if you turned the, the electricity on, there was that. Uh-oh. Oh. crackling yeah. sound. You, you never want to hear that. Yep. Yeah. So as the electrician was removing the slides, he's like, these belong in the Smithsonian. Wow. Because the, the, the backup lens to it was glass mm. wow. that they then applied mirroring to, probably, you know, and yeah. what covered the wires was a fabric. It's oh asbestos. Gosh. It was asbestos woven fabric. They yeah. didn't have it predated when we put rubber around uh, wires yeah. and you know i just kept looking at i'm going huh. i wonder i mean they don't work but huh. i i wonder if this is something that anybody would have interest in or something and yeah. i never i never did find an interested party yeah. but it was super interesting to see something that when it was put in i think it was state of the art right interesting It it definitely was not when I I removed it, (laughs) but it it was no longer working. Do you have any
1: idea? Was it at what point maybe past the bakery? What former owner or shop? retail space would have put those in do you
2: think i'm thinking i honestly don't know how long these platform because there was a platform here as well these platforms in the front windows you'll see in this in these older buildings downtown that the platform was a pretty common thing right we all have them but i don't know if they were all necessarily original but it certainly seemed at some point everyone had these platforms that they used for storage or whatever right so i don't know would one put baked goods in one's bakery window? I don't know. With lights? Like that. It with sounds kind of like melty.
0: That, it it kind of melty.
1: There was meat and stuff around here too you were talking well, about.
0: That, and that was earlier. That was much earlier. There was a sausage shop in here in this location and that was of course prior to Eugene Graff's bakery but um, yeah it's it's so interesting to see the, all the different businesses that have occupied this over the years and you probably have layers and layers of those in your walls
2: yeah. and in your floor and oh I see
0: some different w- when I redid and- the
2: floors there were four different types of subfloor oh I love yeah that. it was just I a patchwork that. It was a <laughs> patchwork we had to make it even this building does tilt yes this building does tilt really? and I will tell you a funny story that has to do with with an old only with an old building would you have this problem because there are no legit like engineering buildings for this store. Right. So, engineering drawings, excuse me, for this building. Yeah. So, I I outgrew my old vault. I needed a bigger vault. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the first questions you start getting bombarded with by the vault mover is, well, you know, what do you got? You got yeah. you got basement? What do you got? You got dirt? What, right. what do you got? And I'm like, "Okay, all I can tell you is I know I don't have basement beneath my space proper. But what's weird is your space has I some basement. basement. Yeah. And up will sit. So can you imagine? They dug hmm. a basement out, not on the corner where I am, but in the two directions yeah. going away from it, which sounds harder. Yeah. But I realized there wasn't excavation equipment. This was done by, right. All by,
0: hand. by hand. yeah.
2: So maybe it wasn't harder. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I knew I didn't have basement here but I know there's basement that I can't access running under my back hallway and it was pins and needles bringing this vault in going across those floorboards in the back hall going
0: who knows is it gonna
2: I mean am I gonna end up with a vault in a basement (laughs) you know so you know you just kind of hear the creaking and everything held just fine but yeah our 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 floor definitely tilts and in different ways, I yeah. think is the because it must be the earth settling because I don't have a right. basement. <laughs> so, right. <yep>. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. I know, and
1: I wonder if it. So it never used to, as far as you know, because we have a basement where it looks like people could have, have driven down a ramp and put things right into the basement, mm-hmm. and some. And it, so it doesn't look like you had one that was removed when they built those. No, nope, I never have had no, it from the beginning.
2: I, it doesn't seem that mm. this space proper, other than through a neighboring space, perhaps and probably more likely. Had access direct into the basement. There was never one of those chutes that you can sometimes see downtown and right. still in the in the sidewalk. Nope. No, nothing like like that. that. Mm -mm.
1: Yeah. I notice you still have a radiator, which I don't have in my building. So I'm feeling like a lot of various things happen. Oh, yes. We had these wall heaters when we were just trying to do our latest little remodel. This is fancy, though. Did you put that in?
2: No, no, no. This is uh, quite old. I I know the little controller on it, you can tell that's a little more modern. But this is a very old radiator. These pipes that run up against the ceiling, those are carrying hot water, to um, my neighbor oh. and to the apartments upstairs. So the reason I have covered them with insulation is those put off, those throw off a tremendous amount of heat You've year round. You've been boiling in here. So in the summer oh. it was contrib- contributing to the heat. So I had to, you know, insulate them in some way. But this is our heater. This is how we are heated in the winter.
1: That's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. We have a completely different system now in in our. So each of them now that it's become condoized, right? They've all gone different ways with the various owners. So this this once totally integrated building has become sort of chopped up. But um, are there any other sort of mysteries that you have about the building that you'd love to have solved, or anything we can work on in the in the future, or anything you just hope for the building?
2: Well. What I would hope for the building, something that I think I, I told you about, mm-hmm. I, I have a dream. Yeah. I have a dream. I have a dream. Of, you know, the original plans that Fred Wilson did for the exterior were far more grand that, than what ended up getting executed.
1: Right, right.
2: And I would love to see, in addition to um, ongoing repair, which could be used, I, I personally would love to implement some of the original ideas that were meant to go on the Wilson face So the
1: long side on Wilson, that would be really fun because right now there's not a whole lot of detail on the exterior at all. So you have some ideas about that.
2: I do have some ideas that kind of tie into the fact that this is a partially arts and crafts building, partially Mission Revival, so I would yeah. love to do some ironwork. I'd love to do, yeah, I would love to do something like that. Alas, I am not the owner of the building. Right, right. So, day, and I someday, love,
0: maybe. yeah, yeah, someday. <laughs> I love that you are thinking about going back to the Fred Wilson design, you know, and I know that you went up to special collections at the MSU library and looked at those architectural um, drawings of Fred's and aren't they gorgeous? They're, they're just, I was just I mean, like blown away. blown away. Were
2: you able to find them? Because we they were
0: misplaced for yes. a long time. So we went up, Nancy and I went up, and we said, Babs Noel came up a a time ago and looked for these, and she said they were misplaced, so they might be misplaced. And somehow, we we worked through it, yeah, and found them. Remember,
1: they weren't in the computer system. But then he brought them to us from some other part of the collection's Which we were not allowed to access. But then came out these beautiful, you know, table-sized drawings, which were really remarkable. So that was fun. And that's where I finally got to see sort of those changes that were proposed. Mm -hmm. And then some corrections and additions or something that
2: um, that, um, Eugene Graff did. exactly. I would love to figure out the infrastructure that 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 is the secret of this building this building is not giving up its secrets regarding water sewer and electrical it's just really it, not isn't that the beauty of historic buildings it's, we'll call always it a, that. it's
0: always a mystery it remains a mystery to have to solve and and you know it within that is some excitement but also within that is some you know um headaches i'm sure for you it
2: can, it can be certainly it can well bob's I'm
1: I'm so excited that your your former husband all those years ago uh, saw that sign and that you yeah. jumped on it and that you're in here. It's been one of the first places I noticed when I first came to Bozeman with my husband, and it's so lovely having um, this stability and sort of the just these beautiful shops right there in Main Street. I think it attracts so many people, and I'm sure you like me. You love that character and charm about the building. I do, but I you've do. done so much with it, and um and thanks for just being a fantastic neighbor. Absolutely. Well, and welcome, mentor. welcome. To- Yes. You. Breath yes. of fresh air. We lovely, love to lovely, be lovely here. having you here. Yeah, and thanks for letting us bust in on you today yeah. and ask you a bunch of questions about your building. And um, we might be doing it again sometime in the future. Sounds Who lovely. knows? Thank yeah. you so much. Okay. Thanks, Babs. All right. So, Crystal, that was really fun talking to Babs. It was. We're back here in the annex just to finish up and and just to round out the podcast today. I, you know, as a business owner, I can certainly speak to the significance to me um to preserving buildings such as this, as the Bonton Building, and what it means to me to be able to offer this kind of atmosphere and ambiance to clients that come in. But can you also speak to the importance of these structures and, and what importance they hold for the community in general and, you know, the community of Bozeman, people who live here as as well as people who visit?
0: Yeah, so historic buildings to me really are a draw to people wanting to live in a community, wanting to visit a downtown. It, it has a vibrancy because of that history, because of that her- historical aspect to it. And just living, growing up here in Bozeman and uh, living with these buildings and seeing them on a daily basis and talking to people over the years, I know that that's why people love Bozeman is because of its historic downtown. They love... The historic feel of the downtown And these buildings really add to all of that And of course that's not just uh, here in Bozeman That's throughout the country When you have historic buildings in a downtown area Oftentimes that area is much more economically viable And people want to go down and spend time in the buildings They want to buy things that are in those buildings It's a really important aspect of any um, economical part of a downtown so and and that is you know just the historic buildings that we we're talking ta- about today that are in a downtown area and that's not even speaking to historical residences which right. is a whole nother aspect of of living in a historic district is often something people want to do having historic districts is so important in a community and and so but having this um History downtown is so important as well, and I love to bring the people into the buildings Yeah, because I think the people who lived in these buildings, who worked in these buildings, who spent their lives in these buildings, really, who spent so much time... Uh, taking care of these buildings, those that really adds to the story. Mm-hmm. And really, and that's why I like to talk about Eugene Graff being in this building. And, you know, I'd really love to find out who was the owner of the Mode clothing store. I know more about the families that might have yeah, lived up above the right, stores and all right. of that.
1: I mean, we know our upstairs residents pretty well right now. Yeah. Um, all of us who are living here. Yeah. But it, it's been so much fun learning from you about the history of this building that I'm in. It makes me understand and treasure it. It gives me stories to to tell other people. Mm-hmm. But just knowing that you're part of this longer history, mm-hmm. and then knowing that there may have been stories like mine in other decades that yeah. were here, is yeah. is such fun. But um, I'm a fan. I'm a fan too of any place I go. If there's a historic. Um, restaurant or hotel something mm-hmm. I can stay in there's something wonderful about being in them but learning about the people that built them and used them I think is mm-hmm. is really so important so this has been such a fun podcast to do been. this today yeah. it, it's been totally um, out of our usual norm and we've had a, a few challenges with sound and batteries and moving around but we've been super excited <laughs> thanks um, Steve for
0: bearing with us on this one absolutely <laughs>
1: absolutely and and we want to go ahead and um, make sure we get a chance to properly thank yeah. The two sponsors we have that we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Steep Mountain Tea and Western Heritage Center.
0: I'm so excited that we have these two sponsors because they're both near and dear to my heart in different ways. So Steep Mountain Tea House... Uh, was created in the year 2020, um, that wonderful year that mm. we all have so fun <laughs> memories of. But you know, things change in, in in pandemic times, and this was one of them. So, um, Steep Mountain Tea House was created from a tea house that was once called Townsend's Tea House, which was a long standing staple business here in Bozeman, much loved. Yep. And so um, Melissa and Scott Heron ran Townsend's Tea House for many years, and in 2020, they handed it off to Serena Runberg and Nick Garbiel, and they now are the owners of Steep Mountain Tea. And so, Steep Mountain Tea is a great tea house locally for people from Bozeman to go in and sit down and have a cup of tea. But they're also really building their online presence, which is wonderful for people throughout the nation. You can go on to Steep Mountain Tea's website and order any kind of tea that they create, that they hand create. And I know their tea is wonderful because uh, Steep Mountain Tea has partnered with Extreme History Project to create a specialty tea for extreme history called Steeped in
1: History. Oh, that's so great.
0: It's an amazing blend. Yeah. It's an amazing blend. It's so good. I drink it almost every day. It's as, long bl- as
1: long as as long you don't age while you drink it, Crystal. I know. You just have I, to make sure. Steeped think- in History means it, it transports you psychologically, but not physically. Right, not physically, physically okay. which is
0: good. <laughs> but Steep Mountain Tea is a black tea, and it has, um, it's really, when I talked to Melissa about creating this tea, I said, I want it to be Montana, and I want it to be history. And so what they put in it, Scott and Melissa created this tea and they put juniper berries in it, red cedar. And fur tips, and wow. you kind of hear those yep. things, and you think mm, that kind of sounds interesting. And when you drink it, it's amazing. Mm. It's so good. It's
1: so good. Sounds like a good fall tea as it's well. It's a beautiful yep. fall
0: tea. But um, that is only available at, at the Extreme History Project. So you can't get that on their website. But if you want to order some tea from Steep Mountain Tea, I suggest their Dark Forest Chai Tea, which is on their website. It as well is so good. It's my favorite right now, and it has. Rosemary, cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger Red cloves All those things that you think of When you think of fall Yeah so um, go in online, order that from Steep Mountain Tea. And it's the website is Steep Mountain. Mountain is M-T-N-T. So dot st- com. right. And,
1: and we'll make sure we put something up uh, as a Yeah, letter, we when, will. When we, we have the podcast up. We will. All right. Are you going to tell us a little bit about the Western Heritage yes. Center too? So the
0: Western Heritage Center is our second sponsor and they're amazing. Um, the Western Heritage Center is located in Billings, Montana. And their mission is to collect, preserve, and tell the stories of people and places of the Yellowstone River Valley and the northern High Plains region of uh, the Montana area. They do this in so many unique and interesting ways. They have a lot of presentations that they do now, a lot of them online. They also do a walking tour program like us, and we kind of learn from each other in this walking tour um, land, I guess. <laughs> um, their director, the director of the Western Heritage Center, is Kevin Koystra. and he is an amazing walking tour guide. Yeah, and so we, always, yeah, shout out to people. Kevin. He's yep. awesome. So if you're in the Billings area, make sure and stop in and see their exhibits. They're working on a new one right now that's called "Conquering Diseases of the Past," and it looks fascinating. Wow. So stop in if you're in Billings and check them out, and tell them tell them that Extreme History sent you. And the dirt on the past podcast
1: fantastic and we're so grateful to have both of those as a sponsor steep mountain tea and the western heritage center and thanks um, to all of our listeners out there for joining us today if you love this podcast please tell a friend and make sure to subscribe so it shows up in your podcast feed each week leave a review on apple podcasts or on spotify and we also have a facebook page called the dirt on the past so make sure you find that and like it too we put links to all our podcast episodes there, but we also include links to articles, books, images of things that yes. we saw today in the Bantan building, yeah. all kinds of things that we discuss in the podcast. So thanks for listening today, and we hope that you can join us again to find out more about the, the dirt on, on the past. past.
0: A big thank you to our editor and sound guru, Steve Durbin. Thanks to Lawson Alegria for the music and to John Chadwell for getting the podcast out there in the world every week. And a big thank you to our sponsors today, Steep Mountain Tea and the Western Heritage Center.